Hey everyone, welcome back to the Kaderna podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. So if you've been following the stock market lately, I'm sure you've been hearing a lot about a company called NVIDIA. NVIDIA started out in 1993, creating what are called graphic processing units or GPUs. These could be found in everything from your computer monitor to your TV or even video games and explaining why graphics kept getting better and better from Sega and Nintendo to PlayStation and Xbox. But as we fast forward to today, much of NVIDIA's success can be attributed to the chips that they make, which are critical to artificial intelligence, or AI. I'm recording this episode on February 23rd, 2024. And if you're watching this live, I'm sure you'll realize that yesterday was a really good day in the stock market, especially for the tech sector. A lot of that rally can be attributed to NVIDIA and their monster earnings. NVIDIA equips the $2 trillion market valuation. They are a member of the stock market's elite trillion dollar club, which is made up of the companies Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, NVIDIA, and Alphabet, or often called Google. Only Microsoft and Amazon are bigger than NVIDIA today. So this extreme growth that a company has had in just a couple of short years, it brings up a very simple question. How do stocks work? Is going to require work and time and sweat and toil. If money wasn't an issue, what would I be doing? Don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. Change is the only constant. The Kadena Podcast. The stock market is a huge store of wealth. As of January 1st, 2024, the U.S. stock market alone was valued at over $50 trillion. That's combining the New York Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ, and the over-the-counter or OTC markets. That's enough money, just to give you context, that's enough money to pay off the entire U.S. federal government's debt and still have about $18 trillion left over. And as I'm sure you've seen, the first couple of months of this year have been positive, meaning that that $50.8 trillion valuation is even higher today. So we must ask the question, why does so much money find its way into the stock market? So in short, business owners need cash to run their business, whether it's to expand, to pay down debt, to grow, to look into new operations. Every day they are dependent on cash flow. And now if we go back to the genesis of any business, whether you're opening a pizzeria or the snack stand down the street, you look at what are your resources? Maybe it's personal savings. Perhaps you hit up some friends and family and ask for them to pitch in a few dollars. Maybe you go to the bank and you get a loan or you open up a line of credit. If the company is a bit bigger, maybe you're dealing with venture capitalists or talking with private equity firms. Whatever the situation is, all of these represent a quid pro quo deal, which essentially means this for that. Whether the financier is providing debt and they're expecting repayments plus interest, or it's that venture capital or PE firm that says, I'm actually making an investment and I'm buying a piece of your company and taking a piece of ownership. It's this latter form that introduces our topic today, which of course is the stock market. So business owners may choose to raise money through what is called an initial public offering or an IPO. This is called going public. And it's often seen as the last and grandest stop on the fundraising train. 
All right. What going public and having an initial public offering essentially does is it breaks up the company into shares. And then these shares are sold to investors as shares of stock. And those investors become known as what are called shareholders. So I know we got a bunch of technical terms there, but essentially we're breaking up the company and investors are then buying a piece of that company. They are literally becoming an owner in this publicly traded stock. In addition to having ownership, they can also be entitled to some rights, such as voting on the board of directors or other important matters and how the company should be run. So now that the investor owns a piece of that company, they are directly participating in the successes and failures of that company. So how do stocks actually make money? Why is there over $50 trillion in the U.S. stock market? So investors can make money primarily in two different ways. All right, when a company earns a profit, they have some decisions to make. They could reinvest in the company for expansion or research and development. Maybe they use those profits to pay down some old debt. Or perhaps they reward their shareholders in the form of what's called a dividend. All right, that's where dividends can provide investors income and some benefits while they're holding the stock and not doing anything else otherwise with that stock. The second form of getting money out of your stock is through appreciation. All right, so perhaps that shareholder owns that stock for a period of time and that company is growing and doing well and is profitable. And as such, their stock price begins to increase. And then at a future point in time, the shareholder decides, you know what, I'm going to sell my stock back on the market and I'll redeem it and get money back. Hopefully what I put into it and growth on top of that. When we simplify it all down, that's the whole point of investing. We're getting paid in these two formats in the stock market through dividends and capital appreciation. This two-pronged benefit, sometimes it gets equated to people who are in the real estate business where a landlord might say, I can collect rent as I'm going. And then at some point in the future, I could sell that property for a profit. All right, not all that different than owning a stock in the stock market. The stock market is often identified as a leading economic indicator. What this means is that the performance you're actually seeing in the stock market is essentially reflected in the economy's expectations of what the future holds. That's when we're expecting good news, we could see that the stock market reflects it immediately. All right, all it takes is a particular headline or a comment from the Fed or the president, and that can send the stock market up or down instantly. So that is why we call it a leading indicator. What it's also representative of is two different things. Number one, the stock market is often called a measure of liquidity. The more liquidity there is in the market, or excuse me, the more liquidity there is in the economy, the bigger the stock market gets. This is why we see oftentimes that when the Fed cuts interest rates and essentially makes access to capital easier and cheaper and expands the economy, we'll often see that the stock market rises at the same time. There's more liquidity out there. There's more business conducted. This is expansive policy. And conversely, when we see restrictive policy, the cost of capital becomes more expensive. There's less, you know, kind of heat in the economy. Oftentimes, we'll see the stock market contract at that point. So number one, the stock market can be a measure of liquidity. And number two, the stock market can be a measure of public or consumer confidence. When we think the economy is doing well, when we're optimistic about the future, whether it's a new administration, 
global peace, expansion in business, new technologies, whatever the case may be. Again, the stock market being a leading economic indicator, it can directly appreciate as people feel optimistic and are ready to put their money to work in the companies that make up our economy. And again, on the flip side of the coin, when they're pessimistic, when they think that taxes are going to be going up, there's going to be more harmful regulation, there's going to be global conflict or whatever it may be, there then can be flights to safety where investors decide, I want to take my money out of the stock market, naturally sending the prices of all these different shares and stocks lower. So those are two ways that you can identify the stock market, a measure of liquidity and a measure of consumer confidence. And always remember, it's a leading economic indicator. So by the time we actually realize the results of Fed activity, company activity, whatever the case may be, oftentimes that may already be baked into the stock price of those underlying companies. So how do we actually track stocks? How do we pay attention to these things as we're investing in them? How do we see how NVIDIA has been doing so well in the past couple of years? So I'll give you a quick little uh, trivia or history lesson here. First up, we'll look at the Dow Jones. All right. In 1896, Charles Dow added up the closing prices of 12 companies divided by 12, and he came up with an average to track the stock market. The Dow Jones Industrial Average, or the DGIA, is still one of the most quoted indexes in the world. Then you have the S&P 500. The Standard & Poor's company publishes an index based on 500 leading companies in the largest industries in the U.S. economy. That next to the Dow is probably the most quoted index in the world. And when a lot of people say, how's the stock market doing? They're either looking at the Dow or the S&P 500. When many investors say, I just want to do indexing, I want to invest directly in an index, the S&P 500 index is one of the most utilized uh, forms of investing. Next up in America, we have the NASDAQ. All right, the NASDAQ is most synonymous with the tech sector, and it lists over 3,300 different companies. So there you have three monster indexes, the NASDAQ, the Dow, and the S&P 500 that you can follow anytime that you turn on any business channel, you're going to see those constantly at the bottom on the ticker, and they give you a very good gauge of how the market's doing today. So there's hundreds of other indexes that are out there that can help you track pretty much any sector that you could think of. Uh, and then there's those index funds, like I alluded to, that allow investors to get a collection of stocks within the index, and it's become a popular strategy to essentially follow the markets. So diversifying without necessarily having active management along the way. So you say, rather than pick the winners and losers, I just want to follow the entire thing. All right, that's essentially what indexing is. But let's look at a quick history of the markets, you know, long before the idea of NVIDIA even existed. The concept of entrepreneurs pulling money together for a common goal and sharing ownership in the ups and downs of their endeavors is as old as time itself. Some of the first formal uses of the stock market occurred in early 12th century France, when banks charged men with managing and regulating debts in agricultural communities. This essentially created the first brokers. Then in 1602, the Dutch East India Company became the first company to allow investors to actually buy shares in their company. 
right, this triggered global stock trading. Later that century, in 1698, the London Stock Exchange was started by a list of stock and commodity prices that were actually published at a coffee house in London. And then London quickly became the financial capital of the world. Fast forward to 1792, and then 24 brokers gathered together in New York City, and they established rules for buying and selling bonds and stocks of companies. And this essentially created the New York Stock Exchange in 1792. Right, the New York Stock Exchange is by far the largest exchange in the world. In 1971, the National Association of Securities Dealers created the NASDAQ, and they started using automated quotation systems for trading stocks. So that's a brief history of how we got from 12th century France and the agricultural communities all the way up to the tech sector that we find in the NASDAQ. So not everyone has a chance to sit at the helm and decide the fate of NVIDIA and these other monster companies that we hear about in the news every day. Not all of us are CEOs of billion-dollar organizations. But many of us can actually have ownership of those companies, our favorite companies that we're buying products from day in and day out, whether they're creating pharmaceuticals, manufacturing cars, or artificial intelligence, or selling sports apparel. They may have the chance to own it by buying shares of stock in that company. And if that company does well, they can reap the benefits, like I said, through either dividends or capital appreciation. I know this was a quick episode today, but in short, that's how the stock market works. It's very, very complex, very fickle. No one has ever figured it out. But when we look at it like this, it's a pretty simple concept. We're buying ownership in a company and then we get to enjoy the ups and downs of that company. If we want to be a direct participant in the economy and society, the stock market has been one of the greatest opportunities to do so. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. Wherever you're listening or watching, please subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend, and we will see you next time. This podcast is intended for the general public and for informational purposes only. The show does not provide any recommendations or investment advice regarding any specific account type, service, strategy, or product, or to otherwise act in any fiduciary or other capacity. Please contact a financial professional for guidance and information that is specific to your situation. Brian Kaderna does not provide tax or legal advice. Please contact your accountant or legal advisor to discuss your situation. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Kaderna Financial Team, and opinions stated are their own. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not guarantee of future results. References to specific securities, asset classes, and financial markets are for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a solicitation, offer, or recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Brian Kaderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003, phone number 973-244-4420. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Kaderna Financial Team is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0K04194.